This episode was brought to you by Celebrations, Celebrations at Carlisle. Carlisle. One of Australia's leading craft beer bottle shops. Retailers, retailers. Retailers, craft. They do craft. Um, lots of it. Stuff you can't get anywhere in Oz. Where can you get it? Celebrations at Carlisle. Ah! Oh! They've also got beer sticks. I buy them all the time. Now, if you mention our name, you'll get 15% off a mixed six-pack. How sweet! That's Beer Sucks, 15% off. Craft. Mixed six-pack. Number two, Wright Street. Celebrations at Carlisle. They've also got takeaway pint bottles from there at every time. When can I talk? Shut up. No. Ride the doggo! Oh, you can see his straps, but you know he's clean! Oh, don't you see what I mean? Gotta get a can. Ace is pale. Rocky Ridge Brewing Company. There's the one that's clean. It's not sour buffalo. <laughs> it's a pale little maid with Flinders named after Doggo. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome back to our second uh, Could Be A Week extravaganza podcast, <laughs> which is funny, apparently. <laughs> uh, I'm Brendan, and we've got no. Tim, yo, and Adam, hello, and we're actually coming from a very, very magical place, uh, the Le Seren Brew House. So, welcome, uh, our first repeat guest ever, Costa. Hey, hello, welcome back, man. Hello. We've missed you. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. It's been about uh, six months. Six months, yeah. Yeah, six about that. Months. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and I recall wow. leaving the last podcast, having a gut full of guests on in my belly, jumping, <laughs> jumping onto a plane and oh. just feeling really calm and relaxed. And uh, I think I fell asleep Look, the whole Armand way. Look, yeah. he takes care of everyone. Yeah, How yeah. good was it, though? It was you a know? great send-off, so thanks yeah. very much. No, that was great. We were so stoked to uh, be able to catch you. Because I know yeah. your time over there is there's limited. Yeah. And uh, especially so we considering, very grateful. Yeah. Especially considering now it's the middle of Good Beer Week. And you've, and you've again made yeah. time for us. So, yeah, yeah, again, absolutely. we feel very, very grateful. No, pleasure. It's always great to hang out with you guys. And, um, you know, the way you guys set up is brilliant. Super professional. We love it. Awesome. Thanks. We love uh, it. We have professional equipment. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's yes, pretty much exactly. as far as the professional I'm sitting, right, okay. I'm sitting okay. here <laughs> and I'm sweatier than the cheese that you've got over there right yep. now. So, yep. I'm not professional at all mm. right now. Can mm. we give a shout out to the cheese right yes. now? Because that is. Uh, so the most hectic cheese, as you're saying earlier, Costa Eva curates the cheese. Yep, yep. So my wife Eva is the food cheese nut, and um, so she curated today a delicious bouillon, a truffle cheddar, hard cheddar, Ooh. and a daffinoise. And these three cheeses are great because they go really well with a lot of our farmhouse sales. That daffinoise, um, the daffinoise in our saisonette is just, oh, I think perfect. it's perfect. It's just meant, meant for each other, yeah. and uh, we love it. We 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 wait for the opportunities to be able to do that. We really love hosting. Um, and showcasing beer and food together. And it's just something that we've always done. Um, I think, in fact, we're more food-focused people first and then beer, wine, you know, booze later. So I think for us it's about the food first, believe it or not. Well, and we were just talking about that off-air before we started, yeah. about the culture that that kind of generates. Um, I think it's a very European thing, especially. Yeah. Um, and us Australians are adopting it uh, a little bit slower 
but the good energy that that brings, sharing food and booze with good people, is you know a it lot is. different to smashing pints. It's, cul- at the it's pub. cultivating mm. a great time. Yeah, I it think is. that's the real big thing with this. Yeah, is it it's is. not just you know like you can open a bottle yourself, yeah, and you know you can have a you know you can enjoy that and whatnot. But the better part of doing that is opening it around other people yeah. and actually sharing that experience because that yeah. that takes something that's an eight to a buddy 12 out of 10. It is, it is. And there's a certain generosity and a warmth around that that I think we really get a buzz out of. I mean, please don't get me wrong, I love smashing pints too. Um, <laughs> but after, after yeah. a couple, I, I really need to eat something and eat something really um, bold to, to match the beer that I'm drinking typically. And um, yeah, so it just takes us to, to another level um, in terms of experiences, and that's what we're looking for in beer. And, and it's great, and I think that generosity you touched on is a part of it. It's, it feels good to give to friends um, and invite them into your home, which, I mean, you've done today. So for our listeners, we're sitting amongst hundreds of barrels, uh, and it's it's just a beautiful feeling. It's oh. unbelievable. And in fact, I've just laid eyes on the first cool ship I've ever seen in real life. Oh wow! Oh cool! Oh great! Yeah, no, it's, it's um so we, we refer to it as a swimming pool because it looks like a swimming <laughs> pretty pool. Pretty much. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's it's really interesting. We um we always, you know, a cool ship was always on the cards for us. You know, the first week we got the place, and um, I remember the first week we got the keys to the place. We actually had a a pilot cool ship built in a similar dimension to that the the yeah. you know, the main one we have, and. Uh, we started catching and doing cool ship brews, pilot brews. So 20 litre pilot brews. On wow. A pilot system. 20 litre pilot brews into in a, a cool ship. Into a cool ship. And we were prepared to dump it because it was more... Uh, like an um, inch deep. Well, yeah, no, it would have been a couple of inches deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's quite and, tough. Um, it is. And we left it open and left the roller doors open for days on end and catch things. And then we'd send it off to the lab and have the lab send us back a report as to what they found. And then we'd explore that further, and um, that's where I started to geek out a bit and go, okay, so we've got 15 isolates in this catch. Uh, let's learn more about these isolates. Mm. So do they like to um, ferment sugar? Can they ferment maltose, which is really important because we want to make sure we can brew a yeah. beer. Does it give off gas? If so, what gas? Does it produce acid? If so, what acid? Uh, can it attenuate properly? Yeah. And then once we've got that data on each strain, we then asked the lab to isolate interested strains of those. And then we got those single strains here, and then we did what what what, what we call a performance test on that single strain that we caught. Yeah. And that that performance test was very simply fermenting it in wort under controlled conditions in our incubator that we have. Yeah. Have I shown you the incubator? Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe even shown these guys. So that was one general. of the first bits of equipment you bought, I it believe. It is, yeah. Before yeah. any stainless, we, we spent a lot of money in buying this. Yeah, it's an old yeah. Carlsberg incubator. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure uh, CUB have one, Line have one. And Lusteren has one somehow. Wow. Um, so you're just wow. pushing through generation important. by generation by generation to see yep. when it's going to mutate. And you're like, all right, this is what we got. Let's well, work. With our house yeast, it mutates all the time at, at a micro level. Yeah. Um, but we see it every probably 10 batches as a flavor profile shift. Yeah. And what we're finding is the original Belgian strain we, we bought in is becoming less and less relevant. And the wild strains that live here are becoming more prevalent. Hmm. And so I think long term, we're going to end up not even having to use that original strain and we can rely on the wild strains that are here, but they are still cultured up because um, just leaving a tank open and expecting it to ferment quickly is not going to happen. So uh, mm. we sort of blend the science with the art. We, yeah. we, we try and we, we're definitely all about making beer with a sense of place using wild yeast, 
Um, and as romantic as it sounds to just leave a tank open and, let, and ensure that it's going to happen every time, it's not realistic. So we then bring the science into it and work with an off-site lab to help us culture up these wild yeasts and then re-pitch them back in. Yeah. Which is really cool. And I think personally, as a mister and drinker, I've become more enamored with, with the brand uh, the more that sense of provenance has grown yeah. within your beers, yeah. to, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know really... if that's just me being a nerd or if it just speaks to me on a, on a flavor profile level, uh, but I've fallen in love with it the, the more that's become more apparent. Yep. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. And, yeah. and I think that's probably where the biggest thing that uh, as beer consumers, if we go to that real, the antithesis of uh, craft beer, I guess, um, that's pretty much the only thing that you can sort of own, you know, is the, is the provenance yeah, and, and where you're actually coming from and what you've yeah. been able to capture here. And we had you on the podcast previously um, and just before that we had Ash from To Me At All. Yep. And both of you guys share that same sort of ideology in, in terms of provenance. Yep. Exactly. And, and it's this is us. Yeah. Take you know, it. And, and I think it's really interesting to talk about that because um, we love Ash. He's a crazy guy. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, make some great beers, and um, he takes provenance to a different level because he's uh, growing his own malting, yeah. Yeah. his own maltings and his own hops, which is fantastic. We're we're the perhaps uh, an urban equivalent, but for us, provenance is more about microbial provenance. To us, that's more important. Yeah. and the only reason being, not because we can't go find local malt grown in Victoria, we can do that, but it's more about the microbial expression that we're seeking because that has the greatest impact on provenance from a flavor profile perspective yeah. if 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 you ask me so it's so, here's your here's this glass that's alfington yeah exactly it's it's you know it's got alfington yeast in it it's a mixed culture um you know and where we are what we're trying to do is make beers that represent where we are and expresses the personality of our site and that's probably the best way to sum it up mm. and it's tied into provenance and this thing about provenance is not just a beer thing. It's not just a us thing. It's a it's a food thing. It's an it's an artisan movement that's going across all categories and sectors. And I guess we're just flying the flag for the beer sector along with Ash. Um, and it's great because um, uh, you know uh, speaking about Ash and, our, and ourselves, we've sort of done it in the early days, and we're mm. still we're still doing it now. And Absolutely, that's, that's great to see. And you know we've got we've sidestepped a bit with our cans, um, but that's for a different reason. Um, and we're we're hitting the wild um, ferments as hard as ever nowadays because uh, we now have the cool ship. Which it's our third year in, so this is our third year using the cool ship. Wow. Um, we're about to pull that down the next four weeks to start using it for six weeks, and then it goes back up there. Oh, my God. And that's it. So it's a six-week use, so it's an intensive six weeks of planning so cruise around that cool ship and the weather. Just around the weather. Just around the weather because you see the big roller doors. Mm. Um, it's great. We can open those roller doors up in winter, and it's a wind tunnel around out there. And so we get just a flurry of things flying on in, and we get a great cooling rate, which is what the cool ship's all about, hence, hence the term. And so we put it near the roller doors, leave it open at night, and let it cool overnight naturally. And then when we come on in, we transfer it straight to barrel. As a, as a traditional, uh, you know, brewers in that region would have done. Yeah. Um, and for us, yeah, this is going to be our third year doing a cool ship. So we've got cool ships from 2017, some barrels over there you may have seen, and some from 16. So is this potentially leading into a, uh, a method traditional? Um, or Would you come up with a better term? I, uh, I've, I've got a, bit of a pretty loose... Um, commitment to uh, being traditional through a process that is not relevant to perhaps our climate. So 
we sort of developed our own along the way in working with the cruise ship. Um, uh, we use the same malts, I guess, as they would use to make uh, traditional spontaneous beers. Um, uh, and we cool it in the same way, but we're not so tied to the tradition of a process to be able to say we do that process. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're not going to call our beer no, mash. Lambic. Mm. We're not going to call it Lambic. No. Um, and we don't feel we have any right to call it Lambic because to us, uh, to make a traditional Lambic, um, perhaps you need to be in the Seine Valley, if you ask me. Sure. So any, you know, using that word, I don't feel comfortable. Even a, a twisted interpretation of that word, I don't really feel comfortable with either. Yeah. I prefer to just call it spontaneous beer. And yeah, we don't necessarily do turban mashes all the time. We're still experimenting with that, whether we need to or not. There yeah. are other ways around it. Well, it, it, it is a tough one. I mean, um, um, Haral had come out uh, not long back. So Haral is the, uh, it's the, uh, the collectively the Brewers Guild over in Belgium uh, regarding uh, Jester King with Spawn. You know, they were calling it a uh, method goose. And uh, Haral came out and was like, that's, that's our term. You know, we're claiming appellation. And you fair, know, call. Like, fair call. If you, want to, if you want to do that, then we're, you know, we're offering you Metro Traditional. I mean, there's a number of um, appellations in beer that I don't think are particularly respected. Much like in no, it's wine, it's, it's very well respected. You know, you've got DOC or DOCG yeah. from Italian producers. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got... It's like naming a great Prosecco. So then that entire region is like, ah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, we're not so tired to have to make a beer like a Lambic and then call it a Lambic to try and um, showcase what, what we're trying to do in that space. Yeah. Um, we can still do our version of it and just call it spontaneous beer, which it is. And it's again, it comes back to the microbial expression more than anything. Mm. So that's the most important thing for us. And, and I guess further to that is then you guys sort of get to make your own path. You guys don't yeah. say that you're producing a Gers or That's a right. Lambic. That's um, right. you, you're producing that spe- uh, specific it. beer particular to you guys. That Correct. It's our own interpretation. And, yeah. and I guess like other people look at that and then I realistically see that and potentially they'll emulate what you guys are doing here yep. because it works in, in Melbourne. You know, yeah. it works in, yeah. in Victoria. Yeah. And it works for Australian climates and that sort of thing. Well, it can. I mean, I think um, the, the lower half of the climate has any chance of doing it. And I think certain pockets have more better chances than others. But um, the reason why we do Cool Ship Brewery, that's always been the overarching uh, inspiration in terms of, you know, wh- where are we going to get to? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, um, for us, it's about making beer using, um, using spontaneous inoculation. That's our ultimate goal for, for all the beers. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we're going to get there for all the beers, but, but it's important where we are because it lets us do that. Yeah. yeah. So with that, um, for those of you out there that that do brew or have an understanding with that, so uh, working via spontaneous ferment also opens the door to quite a lot of heartache at the same time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of hit and miss. Um, and... That's why when we first got the keys to this place, we did pilot cool ships and we learned very quickly about what was getting in there and why and was it temperature related and, and it was, we feel. Yeah. Um, to the point now where every cool ship we do um, inoculates beautifully. You mentioned that on, not to keep mentioning about the previous podcast, but yep. um, you mentioned that 
uh, last time you were on was actually the seasons massively impacted on how you guys were capturing different yeasts or different bacteria in the yep. in the air. And, yep. You know, you've yep. got like in summer, spring, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You know, is that why you guys are only doing it for six weeks in absolutely. a year now? Yeah, absolutely. Because we did a cool ship in summer and it came out um, horrible. And then we learned, <laughs> okay, so what's going on? There might be a higher bacterial activity going on and... With that, you can't be selective with bacteria. Um, it's hard to select some bacteria but not others. Um, so you sort of you sort of get what's there. You get the whole lot of it, whether you like it or not. In winter, we found, well, our winter here in Melbourne, especially this site, this site has a microclimate. So let me explain that. We chose this site because of, because of its proximity to the parklands right across the road there. So 70 hectares of land that starts 20 metres away. Wow. And then on the other side of the brewery, is the Darabin Creek. And so we're at this intersection and we're all nine, we're about 9K from the CBD. As I was saying to our American friend today, downtown. Yeah. So, so <laughs> technically we're 9K from the CBD, but because yeah. we're in Melbourne, that also means that it's 25 minutes via car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, easily and some. Um, so we're at this intersection of parkland, a natural water course and an urban area. And I think it's that intersection that we get this microbial activity that works. Yeah. But also we get a good cooling rate because of the water course right next door. And so we tend to get one to one and a half degree lower than what the rest of Melbourne gets here at this site. So it it's is. a microclimate and that plays a role, I, I believe, into capturing what we have. Um, also, uh, the wind uh, wind speed, it's something else I look at when we do cool ships. So wind speed's everything for us because we feel that, well, we don't feel we've found, we get a, a better cooling rate on windier days. So we try and match temperature with wind speed to give us a cooling rate and we pick our cool ship brews around that. I don't think there'd be anyone out there in Australia doing what you're doing to that level. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, it is also hectically cold here right now. Yeah, yeah. It's quite funny. It stays <laughs> cold in here. Like when the sun, like in the mornings, it's always one or two degrees cold in here because it holds the cold. When the sun's outside, we actually go outside and try to hang out for a bit and thaw out. So it stays really cold here. Mm. So we don't get huge amounts of bacterial activity naturally. We get more yeast-driven characters. And I love yeast-driven beers. So it sort of works. Um, but we didn't know that when we first came here. We, we didn't know that it was the right temperature or wind speed or anything like that. Um, that's just pure luck if you ask me. We chose a site because we had a hunch that the proximity to the parklands and the creek would be teeming with flora and we wanted to explore that. And that's as far as our thought process was. Yeah. And we just intuitively, it felt right. So we, we went with it. And I think we just got lucky, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, but we've since explored, we have a bit of a microclimate around but here. It's, in terms, you know, it's, it's tough. In terms of being lucky, you know, there's also, you know, like you're downplaying the role that you guys actually had in that, you know, mm. via going out there and exploring that microflora. Yeah. You've created yeah. that. Yeah. And so. it's, also, it's also important to say that we... You know, um, we don't uh, go out and forage things. And uh, um, not to say that, uh, you know, it's a bad thing or anything like that. And we were in the States recently and lots of people are getting into foraging, which is fantastic. It's amazing. We wanted to use the flora that lives in our brewery, in particular lives within the brewery's walls, was is our ultimate goal. Because there is yeast and, and bacteria living here and it's here for a reason. And it's living here in harmony. And that is what we're trying to tap into with our wild brews exploring what's there already why is it there and how do we use the good parts of it and so that's real provenance if you ask really me really 
like within it the brewery's walls. Really, is such a juxtaposition compared to what the brewery used to house itself. Yeah. So yeah, right, yeah. you know, like <laughs> listening listening to you now talking about you know this providence and and whatnot, and yet we are also sitting in what used to be a, a military facility. Yeah. It's it's just crazy to see. Yeah, yeah. So they used to um. Used to be like a mechanics workshop for military vehicles, trucks, and all that sort of stuff. Um, someone did tell me who uh, is uh, runs the whole site here because this is like a co, it's like a, an incubator site, like lots of small businesses collaborating together. And apparently, they used to also store an aircraft in here at some point. So, it has a lot of history, um, and it's got two big gantries that have a big twenty-ton crane. Um, and it still works that twenty ton crane, so we could we could bring that twenty ton crane across if we needed to. Not that we have anything that heavy to, <laughs> to carry. Uh, maybe a fooder one day, but uh, yeah, um, it's great. It's got a lot of history, and we've taken that and and used uh, what's here because to us, um, we've got a viable activity of yeast and bacteria here, and so it's like okay, how do we use it, and how do we how do we express it again to showcase the personality of this site. So getting down into a little bit of the, the mechanics of it, uh, when you said you're experimenting with cool ships, you've obviously had that one designed yes. up there. Yes. Uh, was that just a guess as to um, dimensions, obviously trying to get different cooling rates or yep. or surface area? Yep. Uh, did you have a plan at all? We, we did. We wanted to make sure that it gave us a good cooling rate. So we figured out the height to diameter ratio and worked that out back to a surface area. Okay. And speaking to some other brewers in the States, they gave us a bit of a guide as to where you should be. Yep. And so, yeah, we had help from fellow brewers in the States and then, yeah, designed our own dimensions around that and then got it built overseas and then bought it in and then was nervous because we thought, you know, have we got it right? And yeah. uh, it seemed to work. So we get massive surface here, a good cooling rate. Um, it gets it down to that 20 degrees overnight beautifully by 9 a.m. literally, like yep. almost on the dot sometimes. But that's because we're picking the temperature and the wind speed. Absolutely. And we do that yep. every year, and so you'd hope you get similar cooling rate. Yeah. I mean, you know, the forecast of what actually happens is different, but um, we tend to get fairly reliable cooling rates on the cool ship. Yeah. Mm. I want us to turn this phone off because it's yeah, really annoying. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we have... Uh, Again, yeah. it is good beer week, so I'm not surprised yeah. your phone's going spastic. Right. To be honest, yeah, being able to actually catch you for an hour to be able to do this is... Yeah, it's quite surprising. No, mate, thank you. It's been great. Yeah. It's great. It's good to speak to people that, um, I guess, uh, understand it or at least are interested in it. Yeah. Because you, know? um, you speak to a lot of people that come here and we try and talk to them about it and you can just see that we bamboozle people and we don't want to. We want to simplify what's happening. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately Which, it's a simple thing we're doing. Yeah. The execution isn't simple, but conceptually it's fairly simple. Yeah, mate, just anything, you know, like sitting there, sitting there drinking a pale ale, you know, like people are like, well, that's, you know, it's simple. It's, you know, like it's the combinations of X and Y. And then, you know, ultimately, like you can take it down to the nitty gritty and people are going to be looking at you like, you are speaking Korean right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what yeah. I think uh, people find most fascinating about uh, your company is that, it's this perfect blend of not just uh, not just utilizing old methods. It's, it's the full understanding of what you guys are actually doing and achieving. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys have taken it from from an art to a to a science in a way. Yeah, I, I guess we we definitely are interested more in the art side of of uh, producing artisan ales, mm. and um, 
but we wanted to create some level of consistency or repeatability, which I know is a bit of an oxymoron considering we're working with wild yeast. What are you doing? Yeah. But there are, <laughs> yeah. Like but, you are but there just are, setting the bar so high. And you're like, well, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Got to do it now. Yeah, but we, we definitely think there is ways through your process to be able to try and minimize the variation so it's not chalk and cheese from one mm. batch to the next. Yeah. Sure. And if we can get that as an industry globally, wow, well, that's going to be great because people can rely on a sort of similar pl- flavor yeah. profile from batch to batch. Well, you're seeing people beers. like um, um, Topher over at Wildflower doing that by actually specifically putting on, this is blend X or blend Y. So, you know, he's like, this batch is different from the last in terms of it's giving us this. There you go. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think it's it's yeah, as much about customer education as, as yeah. anything. But that's, um, you know, that's you're also leaving that towards... Um, you know, the people who are selling your product. Yeah, agreed. So, yep. you know, by giving them more of the information, you're going to get so much more, like, amazing beer into other people's hands. Yep. Well, and I think the market's ready for that a lot more I now. So, yeah. people are treating beer more yeah, like wine. So. And that kind of touches back on what we are talking about before. Yeah. Having it with food. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, beer's been more of a hot wings yeah, has burger been. yeah at the Burgers bar, which is fantastic. Totally, by fine, the way, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to be able to yeah. have something like this with the quality of that cheese that we had, um, the, you know, people are appreciating oh, it and mat- buying yeah. these uh, large format, yep, you know, meticulously curated yep. uh, bottles and sharing them with friends exactly. as you would a bottle of wine. Absolutely, uh, I think that's fantastic. Like, yep. Utilizing utilizing your saisonette with that cheese, like mm. you know, pairing wine with cheese, you know. It is, it is a beautiful thing. It is. But having that added benefit of having carbonation in there oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. I was about to say Just, yeah. We smash it wine elevates that front. It. We smash yeah. it. And, and, and so we should. I think beer is a far better option for cheese. Exactly. Like and, that's... Um, I think uh, it's... I've, I've said yeah. it before and it may not be correct in some people's eyes, but I think it's better for food pairing. Yeah, I uh, Just in general. I agree. I, agree. Um, I mean... But it's in, all depending on, you know, like there's... You know, like... Every year we see degustation after degustation after degustation after degustation, and there is only really a small amount of those people actually doing that correctly. Yeah, like, who probably understand it's not it. not just managing flavour, but it's managing weight at the same time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Palate weight, mouthfeel. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's textural as much as yeah. anything else. Yeah. Yep. I, I, think, I think it's young, though, as well. A lot of people are still experimenting and finding their feet with that absolutely. as well. Yep. Uh, so I only yep. see that getting better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, you know, sorry, go for it. No, no, no. Um, like, uh, I mean, as, as you know, coming across from the wine side, we always worked with um, tannins and acidity in wine yeah. for matching. Yeah. Now, in the beer world, my, with my beer hat on, we don't have tannins in beer. Well, you know, if you barrel age it, I guess you'd extract some... Yeah, you can some, some. <laughs> some allergic tannins and some gallo tannins as well. Um, but hopefully not a hell of a lot. Um, but we have carbonation. We have um, palate weight. We have mouthfeel. Uh, we also have texture in beer, which probably isn't spoken about too much. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got exactly what wine has, you know, in spades. But I think, yeah, the furphy for us, excuse that term, is uh, is the carbonation that really just brings it home for us that wine doesn't yeah. have. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it really is. Shout out to furphy. Yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. That's like, something we didn't the, expect to hear. Yeah, it's <laughs> been <laughs> a little bit of a hot topic here yeah. Uh, yeah. back in WA at Except the moment. Like, who's... Uh, Who's who's last What what's crappier? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think especially looking at the more spontaneously fermented or, or controlled spontaneously fermented ales, like you guys produce, is infinitely more parable than 
Um, say you, you just run at the mill like IPAs, palas, that sort no, of thing. I think the depth and and definitely that. I think more to to what you were saying was yeah. the weight and the complexity to to that, the carbonation level as it's well. It's the added benefit of having you know like a more pronounced titratable acidity in there as yeah, well. Yeah, agreed. That what? will will really you, help lift that. What? I love it. Lesky's is getting it. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> titratable Can you just acidity. elaborate on that? Because I don't know what the fuck that is. So look at look at something <laughs> like uh, a red wine. So something like a Shiraz will have a pH level of anywhere between. Right, that can be as low as say like three point two, right? does not give you that level of acidity when you actually drink it. You don't feel like that is quite puckering. Right. Whereas a beer at 3.2, depending on the titratable acidity, will make you feel like that is like powerful. Really? Like powerful. It's a really, really, good way to describe <laughs> it. really good way to describe it, yeah. 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 So, so it's a composition and the volumes of acid as well as their effect on how low the pH goes. So, yeah. No, well said. Well said. The more you know, you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm actually going to go call an Uber now because that, <laughs> that's because I'm done. You stop talking now. You're not a high. That's all right. Yeah. Raised by Costa. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's Look. great. It's great. I mean, Titrable City is some of that I've always been a fan of, but we're going to start measuring it because yeah. um, I think you need to because, you know, from batch to batch, you'll see differences in TA, but uh, we don't measure yeah. it at the moment. So we're yeah. looking at a, a way to measure it. Um, I, think, so yeah. can, I don't think this is any brewers do. No, really. there are. Is there, there are people that do. Yeah, yeah. I don't. No, I don't think people are doing it in Australia at the moment. Yeah, but there mm. definitely is people measuring. Oh, TA. the states are yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. I got yeah. a big yeah. wake up um, call when I went there and saw that, and I went, "Shit, yeah. Yeah. why the hell aren't we doing that?" And we should be. I mean, well, especially for you know um, that acidity component makes up such an important part of your beers. Yeah, it does in the in the avant garde. Yeah, sort yeah. of series that. Yeah, you know we do. Um, can I just go grab our um, no? After we can we talk about this because yeah, so please. yeah, we've uh, yeah, I great. again uh, in my right, just standard stupidity. I never travel anywhere in the world without uh, smuggling a lot of beer with me. It's because you, you, no yeah. you, you like no to be generous huh? on the road and bring a slice. That is yeah. super cool. I, really yeah, cool. I, I brought I actually brought a beer to share with just uh, Brandon and myself. Uh, which was the uh, perennial sump coffee imperial stout, which we drank to celebrate two o'clock like this morning. Amazing! Uh, How actually, was it? hanging out. I do you it was, remember. I, I do. I don't it was remember. amazing. Not really, these two don't was, remember. It was very well. Like you know, yeah. it was really tasty. The one thing with that is because it is um, the base beer for that is an imperial oatmeal milk stout, so it, it is really quite rounded in the palate. That was amazing, right. but yeah. I just don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> Blank. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. quite funny. I went to the brewery the perennial and. Um, I think you need to be in the know to really get to know the brewery. I, I wasn't in the know. I rocked up as a punter. And, uh, yeah, it was um, – I don't know. I think ever since Corey's gone, things have um, changed as well for that brewery. So yeah. I think they're, they're taking a bit of a, a different direction from what I understand. Yeah, so, okay. um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the beers are still fantastic. Um, when I was there, though, I had a great, great couple of farmhouse sales. And, uh, yeah. yeah, but it was just – it's, it's a funny part of town. Um, in St. Louis, it's a yeah, it's a little bit, um, a little bit shady. Oh, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah, yeah. Just was to, it like Shanksville? Um, Did you feel like you're gonna get fucking murdered. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah, you're not gonna be like eating lamb shank. No, 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 <laughs> maybe not. No. Just a, a quick side note: no, if no, there's Tim's. any Santana, Santana, Santana fans out there, keep an eye out because uh, your favorite album's coming into Australia pretty damn soon. 
I've no idea. What the hell are um, you I love about? it. I love it. It's just random. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it. Super you, random. You should have called that Uber. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> wait. Wait. In three weeks, when you actually understand what's happening, I don't know if you've listened to the album Abraxas, but it's fucking shit hot. Oh, wow. It's going to be a I lot of I still fun. don't know what you're talking about, Santana. to be honest. Santana. I don't even know how to say Santana. it. Santana. Uh, terrific guitarist but what yeah, the yeah. fuck does it have, have you, to do have with you, anything right now hey, yeah how do you go from lamb shank to that oh, oh shit how did it get onto lamb shank anyway yeah. getting Did back to beer shank. um <laughs> how, how much of your uh, uh flavor profile do you try to create versus uh how much do you explore and then and then run with it do you have a bit of a process with that or a thought in mind that's a great question um with our classic range of beers so our saison at our saison farmhouse red praline wild saison they have a um, what we call uh, an expected flavor profile. Yeah. And so we do aim to get repeatability because a lot of those beers are on restaurant lists and, um, you know, restaurateurs and people they're that go to restaurants. They're curated for that restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they want to depend upon that, especially yeah. if they're in a, a degustation. But when it comes to the avant-garde collection, that's all our barrel-aged releases, it's it's completely um, explorative. Like we, you know, we... we I, I spend a lot of time drinking, not drinking, sampling the barrels um, and just sit with it and just go, okay, what can I do with this and is this inspiring? And if it's not, I don't touch it. Yep. Um, so it's really it's really cut and dry for me here because I'll constantly be sampling stuff just randomly and if people lose me in the brew, mm. they'll know where I am. I'm just I'm around sampling stuff and uh, when I find something and I get inspired by it, that's when a potential... Uh, you know, release is 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 on the cards. So there's no schedule about what we release. It's it's purely inspired, and I think it needs to be. And that's the way that we work to try and get the best out of what's there. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. no, hence you know, like sitting technically. So we wing only it. I can sit here and touch <laughs> a barrel like it's that close. Yeah, I'm fangirling so hard right now. But we do <laughs> actually have <laughs> barrels yeah. here yeah, that we'll are dated later. from 2014. All the way through, like, so yeah, try some, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, it's great. So, I need to be constantly trying the barrels. And if something's not, if if it's not in, in it's not interesting, I'll just leave it and go, okay, well, it's not meant to be in anything right now. And that's why we have lots of beers that are from 2015 and 14 because when I tried them, I just thought mm, I wasn't sure what to do mm. with that, and I'm not just gonna do it because it's an old beer, because yeah. old doesn't mean great. No, that, that was my probably going to be my, my next question was exactly. like when do you know when the beer's ready like you know yeah, you've got question. beers that are four years old do you then just go i'm going to hold on to this as long as possible and see how it works out yeah yeah i mean that's a great uh you know that's a great thought process that's definitely one of the thought processes i have i think it just comes back to i try to be no matter how old it is i don't even i don't even look at how old it is it's more about okay what's in there okay it might have, might be a saison or a might be a, a, a wild repel or whatever else we have here and um it might be an empty and uh and i try that is that know. code no, citric it, acid yeah. no, no, it's, an, <laughs> it's an empty barrel um and so we try that and if if i can't see where i'm going to put it um it just stays there so yeah yeah um i guess you can say we leave it until an opportunity comes up to use no, part un- of that barrel. Until yeah. you sort of see where it can fit into what you think well, would be a good release. Well, that yeah. spark comes. That, yeah, correct. Yeah, well said. I think it's like I'm looking for a spark. Yeah. So it's intuitive. It's yeah. purely intuitive Look, and it's fun. That's where the art. It's really fun. That's where yeah. the art for, mm. for you guys, I guess, then comes from. You know, yeah. you, you are so 
tactile. Everything is yeah, all about. It is tactile. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, that's really that's exactly a good way to put it because I have to feel it. It's got to mm. feel right. Um, you know. But with that, yeah. With that being said, you know, like you're going and doing your uh, your cool ship series at the moment. Um, will there be any sort of other potential for further blending rather than just going from the like the cool ship sort of yeah. style? Well, first of all, we're not sure it's going to be um, called a cool ship series, so oh, we're still not sure what to call it. Well, it's um, it is it is yeah. there at the yeah. moment as a as it is. As a cool ship. It, as a tangible thing. It's yeah, yeah. At, at, the moment, at the moment, we've labelled it cool ship on the barrels. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it'll get releases out. We have no idea. Um, yeah, like in terms of the other barrels that you've got here where you're just not getting that spark, yep. we'll, you know, like is there any sort of thing going, look, well, I might, you know, like I'm not getting a spark out of this, but potentially, you know, we can we can blend some old stuff with, you know, something that is a little newer and try and create something rather wonderful. Definitely, definitely, but... I need a starting point. I need to find a starting barrel as yeah. a starting point to, to, to start that process and then I layer it up from there. So I'm constantly tasting a lot of the barrels, the ones I can access anyway, yeah. to look for that starting point, for that origin and then from that, we can then build a profile on that. Yeah, And that's purely something that I just do intuitively that I think might work. Mm. You know, taking percentages of certain barrels. Um, so, you know, to me... Uh, farmhouse sales and this style of brewing should reflect where you are and at some level reflect the maker. Yeah. And so the avant-garde collection lets us reflect, I guess, the maker being me and Lincoln and Will and my wife Eva. So yeah. it's a team effort, by the way. It, it isn't just me. Exactly. But not yeah. only that, but you're also doing uh, collaborations with local like local companies like Seven Seeds. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah, that's great. With your, um, with your coffee. coffee. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So like, local roasting company, that's great. We um, There was yeah. a lot of caffeine in that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, there was, there was. There I was. drank that you beer on our Christmas Day and sent you a photo. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, that's that, great. That was my breakfast beer. It yeah, was perfect. Great. It's I perfect. tell you what, we had this that. It's really romantic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Can we hold thank hands you, right great. now? <laughs> it's kind of funny. We tried that beer two days ago and it's become such a, coffee bean like you're chewing on a coffee bean like yeah. even more coffee wow so it's like beer notes are starting to drop off and coffee notes are staying strong wow so talk about preservation of, of that's, coffee that's yeah that's really interesting phenomenal, phenomenal. cool uh let's take a little break and cool. you can go grab a beer and cool, cool. we'll come back thank you no worries Sponsored content! Hey Brendan, did you know the Dutch Trading Co has been voted number one craft beer venue in Australia by Beer and Brewer magazine? I didn't. How did they win that? I have no idea, because they're heaps tops. Do you think it's because of their modern gastropub food? Probably. Do you think it's because of their 300 bottle beer selection? Are they rarely seen in Australia? They are. Oh my god! Do you think it's because of their 22 taps? Dude, definitely. Do you think it's because of their pinball? I'll tip my trilby to that. Dutch Trading Co. 243 Albany Highway, Victoria Park. See you there. Dutch Trading Co. Uh-huh. All right, guys, we're mm. back from the break. Uh, Costa went and got us some wild tripel, um, that we're all a little bit speechless over right now, to Frothing be honest. On. <laughs> um. uh, so this is your 2016 uh, vintage would you call it? Yeah, Maybe. definitely, definitely. Uh, the Wild Chappelle was something that we um, we started back in 2014 and it's 100% spontaneously fermented. So what that means is we put wort into an open tank and then uh, forget about it 
and uh, ask the uh, microbial gods to do their worst and uh, come back in about a week or two and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> and done that three years in a row now at specific times of the year. And so this is the 2016 version that will be soon will be released in the next um, probably three or four weeks. And it's great. It, it really showcases, you know, everything that we're, we're, we're preaching when it comes to using yeast that lives within the brewery's walls. And uh, it's great. It's, it wasn't made in the cool ship. It was just made in an open tank. Um, and it's great. It just, uh, it's got everything that we're looking for. It's got a nice amount of sourness. It's yeast forward. Um, it then went to oak for about six months and picked up some more flora there. So it's got a nice kiss of oak, but it's subtle oak. So we really like it. It's a real creamy. So, so what kind of barrels are, are you using for this? Um, we used, um, uh, like all of our barrels, they're from uh, southern France, so the south part of France, typically uh, Bordeaux or Burgundy, or probably more 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 Burgundy oak. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of <coughs> white burg. Of, of, of yeah, yeah. So oh Burgundy boy. and and white <laughs> right. Burgundy in particular, I love. And um, when when we can get our hands on those barrels, I grab them. And so they just lend a real um, sort of soft finesse to beers that we're, that we're definitely looking for, mm. that you don't get in Bordeaux barrels. Yeah, I mean, like, um, there, there really is, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of barrel-aged beers out there at the moment, and, you know, like, they're just, you know, they're, you know, big, you know, big dumb beers and whatnot. But in terms of what we've got going on here, like, you know, you really need to take your hat off to some of the Coopers, for you know, actually creating you know spectacular barrels to to house this fine liquid in. Absolutely, I mean it's a great great statement right there. I think a lot of the best wines in the world are made the best partly because of the oak mm. that they're housed mm. in, and so it's the coopers that are the real heroes of some of these amazing wines, like a Mouchac or a Chateau Lafitte. Even you know they they do all their own in house coopering, and even the Chateau of the Pops, you know, amazing wines. A lot of it's to do with the oak and the coopers around it. So they're sort of the unsung heroes of amazing wines. And at some level, they're, they're, they're responsible for allowing us to make the beers that we do um, because of the way they've seasoned the wood, where, where the wood's from, um, and how it's been toasted. Mm. So I'm, I really pay a lot of attention to that. I guess coming from the wine world, we're taught to understand barrels a bit more. Yeah. Because uh, there's a difference between the, the wood that's being cut from the like the edge of the grow compared yep. to yeah, spot you know, on. actually in the middle. Spot on. And it's quite funny because we focus on a lot of oak from the Allier forests, which yep. are on the outside. And the outside forest tends to be a lot more subtle. So it tends to be a lot more tighter grain, so yep. less oak release. They've seen more weather yeah, rather than the others have been quite sheltered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're, they're, a, they're a lot tighter grain and they give less oak. It's more sparing, but it's just... It's in more, uh, I guess, it's like portion control, if you will. Um, <laughs> it's great. And I think it lends itself well to our beers. So, you know, we work with uh, our favorite Coopers. Uh, we've got three or four of them. And we chose them because, or we chose their barrels when we can get our hands on them because of the way they season the wood, mm. how long they season it for, um, how they bend the wood, um, and uh, more importantly, how they toast it. So, with a, it's a, a light toast, a medium toast, medium plus heavy or a heavy toast. We always go for the lighter toasts. Yeah. And we, the reason why we do that is because 
a lot of our beers stay in barrel for a long time. So yeah. if I'm going to choose a heavy toast barrel and then stick beer in it and do what I do, which is for the first 12 months of a beer in a barrel, I don't even look at it. Yeah. I just forget about it because I've known through, I've learned very quickly that if you put beer in a barrel and then start sampling one month after every month, you go on this journey of up and down and it's like mm. a psychotic episode mm, where you just go, the beer's great. Oh my God, no, it's nose dark. No good. Oh, it's great again. Especially and, with your cool ship. Yeah. Like, and it just, it fluctuates. Six months, it's going to be just half rancid. Yeah. So if you're tasting these things regularly, you're getting taken on this journey of just craziness. And so we've learned to not even look at it for the first 12 months. Yeah. After 12 months, clicks over, then we start looking at it. And that's the way that we do it. And that means the residence time of beer to oak for us is high. So we don't want heavy oak or big toast oak that's mm. going to impart massive oak characters. It's going to be, something give that big vanilla and it's just going to be yeah, just completely balance everything that you're trying yeah, to go for. Spot on. And, and subtlety and spice. And that's exactly right. So working with the right coopers that season the wood properly, toast it a certain way is what we're looking for in wood. Uh, fortunately, coming from the wine industry, I've got some good friends in the wine industry and so we get um, great barrels from great winemakers that, that, that we feel are looking after their barrels because not any barrel can be used for the beers that we make here at La Seren. Um We're quite, we're quite sort of fickle about it. Um, uh, you know, we have to make sure the barrel's been well kept, been kept indoors most of the time, mm. has good integrity, um, hasn't been sulfured too much because we want natural flora to contribute. And in some cases, we ask the winemakers not to even clean the barrels because um, like we've got over there, oh, there's a... Uh, yeah, you saw the... the yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. So they came from a great winery, a good winemaker friend, and we asked them just to empty the Syrah from it, leave the leaves there, and let us put some beer on top, and let's um, let's have some, you know, let's uh, have a play. Mm. And so we know that he's got a lot of Brett in his cultures, so we're looking forward to seeing how that Brett comes out, you know, expressing um, on a farmhouse base beer. So yeah. it's great. We get to experiment a lot, and then we blend it all back to a taste that, 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 that we're intrigued by. So... In barrel selection, there's a huge amount that people probably don't understand. Uh, you mentioned seasoning. What yep. what seasoning? Seasoning. So uh, typically, wood when you get when they first cut down a tree, uh, they choose the forest. The cooper will will tend to choose wood from a certain forest depending on their house profile. Yep. Um, from there, they have to season the wood because cutting the wood down, it's really green and sappy. Mm-hmm. So they literally leave it outside in the weather, stacked in a certain way to allow airflow and sunlight and rain to hit it for anywhere from 12 months to three years Right. in in staves. And so it's stacked in a way that lets airflow and sun to get in and really season the wood and get that sappiness out of it, that raw oak character out of it. So <clears throat> different coopers do different things. Some of our favorite coopers do a good 36-month seasoning, and we like that. We like the character of that. Mm-hmm. It's aged wood character. Uh, that's a starting point. And that comes back to what the cooper chooses. Yep. So you're choosing a cooper and you know how they're going to process their wood. And that's what we're looking for. So mm. that's the seasoning side. Then the way they bend the wood, because the, the 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 wood is straight. Yep. They grow these trees like, you know, um, like a... Dead straight. Dead straight. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a better a term for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it and depends. You've been, up, you've been up north of Western Australia oh, and yeah. seen trees up there. <laughs> oh, they're really? not straight. Right. No, the wind... Causes them to grow at a ninety degree angle. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! It's so so wild. so they basically grow the trees really straight, but then they've got to figure out okay, we're going to bend this wood to be part of a barrel, so yeah, it has for to sure. be arced. So different coopers do different things. Our favourite coopers do uh, water bent, 
So they use hot water okay. yep. to bend it. Some use fire, some use mechanical. Uh, we tend to work with more people that use fire or water to bend the staves. Fire bending is that I'm pretty sure that that's sounds from cool. a cartoon? Or yeah, yeah. Heat. heat. Yeah, the that's last a airbender. pretty traditional Scandinavian yep. method for, for oh, boat right. building as well. Oh, is interesting. Using uh, fire and, and steam. There you go. Yeah, so steam bent as well, water bent. And, Why am I not fire? surprised that uh, this Fantastic. man sitting in front of me knows about uh, Scandinavian boat bending? <laughs> well, well, just to interject, we've been in Melbourne for a couple of days and Tim points out buildings. Oh, so the thing about this building, we're like, where do you get these facts This building from? was built in 1836 by... It took them 12 years to build this. Such and, and such. Like, one of those are we guys, on a walking tour? One or of those guys, guys on? he just knows a lot <laughs> of... Yeah. A little about everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, mate, I'm <laughs> yeah, really... Not a lot about anything. <laughs> no, so I, I really want to... Sorry, I, I, meant, I meant the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is um, why we're trying to get him to go, look... Just give in. We want to catch a fucking Uber. No, they wanted to catch. I was like, no, you absolutely have to catch Trav. You're in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, true. He he just wanted to give us his walking. In all fairness, Brendan's uh, laptop bag is actually made from a whole calf, so it actually weighs the same. It's pretty heavy. heavy It's literally like a lot of stuff in there. Uh, anyway, getting back to uh, the bending of the wood, because I hadn't thought about that myself. I know we've talked about barrels a little bit. Uh, the the process, I guess, for bending, I hadn't considered. Uh, or what do you think those fire or, or water bending gives it that the mechanical yeah, doesn't? Good question. I, I'm not sure exactly what the differences will give you in the end result. All I know is Coopers work with their house profile and they have a preference for how they bend it. And okay. that goes back into how, um, you know, what sort of flavor you get out of their wood. Yep. Um, I know uh, a couple of Coopers uh, swear by steam. Bending, because mm. um, that swells the wood and brings out things called elagic acid and gallic acid, and then they they toast the interior of the wood, and then yeah. it's, it's when they toast it, they they create this chemical compound of el- uh, elagic acid and gallic acid um, fusing together into a new compound, a fl- and flavor compounds are made out of that. But more specific than that, I haven't had a chance to really sort mm. of understand. All I know is I like certain Cooper House profiles that yeah. I sort of gravitate towards. Okay. The fun thing that goes from there mm. is not, you know, like a lot of people don't even think that far deep into uh, choosing barrels or Coopers. They're looking just directly into whether or not they're going to be first fill. Right. Yep. Or, yep. you know, like, or whatnot. And, you know, like a lot of guys out there at the moment aren't even checking to see, you know, the actual acidity level of that apparent barrel that they're getting is is that uh, something you can check that actually is yeah there's yeah, uh, yeah, a few could. people who have made the mistake of not doing that in the US at the moment and have bought barrels in for a barrel aging program and not checked the actual acidity level of the barrel yeah. and have got something that is Ooh, just super yeah it's just straight acidic Wow. Well, I mean, th- what's the general rule of thumb for, for bourbon they, they say it's 80% Wood twenty percent, the actual base spirit. It, I don't know. Right. I'm pretty I'm, sure that's the rule I'm of actually, thumb. I'm unsure. I have is, no idea. Um, is yeah, they they say it's eighty percent is drawn from the wood and twenty percent is the actual base spirit itself. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and that's why they all use uh, freshly toasted. You have to use freshly toasted American oak in yeah. small formats. Yeah. So that's the, why it's cheap to get barrels in America. Yeah, it is. Where um, what I like and I'm gravitating towards is those larger formats over there, the five hundred liter punches. Mm. And we managed to, they came up, there was about 20 in a lot that came up, and I just swooped on them. I did notice those. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I walked around pretty excited for a week after I got approval <laughs> from my chief financial officer. 
aka my wife, so she she let me get them. Um, so no family holiday. They're for this, really cool. This year, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I got twenty punchins. Yeah. So um, and I, and they came up it's so kind randomly. Of like a holiday. Yeah, well, it's, it's great for me. Twenty but, uh, punchins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it came up. It, yeah, I had 24 hours to grab it. I just thought, oh, fuck, I really love to grab these and play with them. And Ooh, look, I really I mean, like having larger format to play with. Yeah. I mean, look, if you ever um, have any problems, I will definitely take them off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know they're so hard to get and rare that, that size that I just knew I had to. Otherwise, they would have gone I've, elsewhere. I've yeah. never seen that. When will we see on that note yep. um, some fooders? Fooders, yeah. Look, to be honest, um, I'm actually not keen on getting fooders. Um, I'm, yeah. And is it quite only cost be- prohibitive? No, it's probably better. I, you know, if I wanted, if it was a cost exercise, I would have gone for fooders. Yeah. Um, because you get a lot more uh, volume per real estate. Yep. And uh, and it takes up less area, and you know, for us, we could fit a lot more fooders in here than barrels but but you're also getting more surface area in the the smaller volume well yeah there's that as well so format size for me comes back to two things um oak release and fooders give you a very tiny oak release which Mm, is fine for sure i like having a variation or a fruit salad of barrels full of beers sometimes the same beer with different cooper because it lets me then blend back i was going to say that and that variation it's more fun in particularly what what you touched on before is that Everything that you're doing at the moment is quite tactile. It is Everything very, you're doing is yeah, based yeah. on taste. Is that ready? Is that not ready? It's so purely, I guess in, yeah. in a like, fooder, you don't get that. No, exactly. And it's quite funny because we're, we're grounded in brewing science. Um, you know, me and Lincoln and, and you know, we our sales guys, Cicerone and, and, and all of that. So we've got all the science we need, but we use that as a foundation and use sensory and more intuition to figure out when the beer is ready. For sure. And it's purely that, and it'll always be that. And I think that's what we feel makes Lusser and beers taste a certain way. Because mm. we're, we're, we're looking for it. If it's not there, well, it doesn't get released until it is there. Mm. Um, and I don't think science can give you that. I think something no. sensory picked up can't be quantified in science yet. No, no not at all. Yeah. So. And, and I think that's what you guys do very, very well. You know, in fact, where you're sitting in front of some... Um, Pretty epic looking barrels that you touched on before. Thanks for not saying the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right here. Yeah, I can touch it you, right you're now. You're touching them. Yeah. I'm touching it, and it's just so much and, fun. And uh, you mentioned <laughs> yeah. that you know you fill these barrels half full of um, something, something particular, a berry of some sort, half full of it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I think that that's absolutely absolutely going to be quite a tactile journey. Like, yeah. I think it will, yeah. When you release that, if you release yep. that, you've got four barrels yep. that are going to be some very, very hectic uh, produced stuff. And there is live um, ripe fruit, fruit inside these, yep. in these barrels as well. And I can't <coughs> wait. As soon as I saw them, I haven't stopped salivating and it sucks because cool. you are directly in front of these and I yeah, can't I stop looking at you and the barrels. I, I must admit you have been looking over my shoulder yeah. a lot and I've gone, is there someone behind me? No, no, that's just Tim. He can't maintain eye contact for a long time because otherwise he gets too uncomfortable and then we just start moving in towards you. 
Yeah, uh, it's like that little moment in Wayne's world. Dreamweaver. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm Garth. <laughs> yeah. I'm Garth. He, he did sing after all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I have to ask. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, mate. To be honest, I've just been clearing my pipes, getting excellent. ready for uh, Moondog on Saturday. Look, we, we probably don't have a, a whole no. bunch of, uh, of time left, but um, how important is the selection of wood? In terms of not just cooperage, but also just the the selection of wood, the actual wood characteristics. The, the strain. Yeah, the, the strain. Strain. But, uh, the strain of wood. How important is the strain of wood? I'm, of the, the, um, I killed that one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, is there wood right. that you you generally have completely steered clear of? Is there wood that you would actually go, man, that would make them. Oh, an absolutely fucking cracking barrel. I'd love to do oh. something with that. So we have people um, using, uh, utilizing Hungarian oak. Yeah, that's right. In, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We have people in WA uh, winemakers that are using that. You know, just for the yep. the excessive chestnut is yeah, another one. The excessive yep. spiciness that you wow, get out of that chestnut. Um, yep. You've I got mean, cherry wood. There um, is. Yeah, there's another. There's a winemaker friend, uh, uh, an emerging young guy who's looking at uh, gum tree wood to see whether that has any viability for our industry. So yeah, there's lots of exploration. For us, we've been pretty classical in the way that we've chosen French oak from a certain region, predominantly Burgundy, and making sure that the wood is uh, used or recycled. So we never get any new oak here. Um, I'll, I'll never buy a single new oak barrel. I don't really believe in new oak for our beers. So that's why we work closely with winemakers to get their recycled barrels. Well, it's the intensity is really not going to match the sort of thing that you're yeah, trying to go yeah, for. You for know? Sure. Spot on, spot on. And yeah, and it's just more fun getting recycled wood and seeing what's in there and seeing whether do we keep it <laughs> or do we steam it, clean it and start fresh again. But we have that option and that's just the fun sort of, in the fun part of, hmm. of barrel aging. So You've got a, uh, a new beer coming out fairly soon. That's uh, an old beer, Praline. That is now yes. been receiving the same barrel aging treatment. Is that is that it right? It is um, for Good Beer Week. We've just released, well, two days, three days ago, it was released the barrel aged praline, and it comes out of four barrels that are only praline barrels, and we we release it every Good Beer Week in Melbourne. So we release X amount of kegs of it, and it's been sitting in barrel for a year, and it, exactly one year from now to get released again next Good Beer Week, and uh, it's great. It just it's the same barrels, and you can. You can see the progression. This year's, uh, the sourness is really nice, but the chocolate characters are still held up. The last ones, the chocolate characters faded away. Yeah. And this one, chocolate's still there. So wow. it's great. So if you see it on tap. Is it oh, only available on Definitely. tap? Only on tap. Um, there's a couple of venues that have it at the moment. Rupert on Rupert will have it for today and tomorrow. Is that on Rupert? It's on Rupert Street in Collingwood. <laughs> Shout out to Rupert Street, Collingwood. Yeah. And, um, we live in Collingwood. Yeah, yeah for so the next go there. three days. Oh, so apparently Tim's going to go take us on a walking tour there as well. <laughs> or um, Ale of a Time have it, I think. They've got the barrel-aged uh, praline there. Awesome. Oh. And uh, it's got it's still got classic Cabernet berries coming through, you know, and this is third year we've wow. done it. So I guess to show you um, to wear out a barrel, it takes a long like, time. Yeah, that, that it actually depth. takes a long time. So that's mm. why I don't understand winemakers... You know, I say that because I used to be one, I guess. And we used to use barrels two, three, four years and then get rid of them. And I just never understood that and I still well, don't understand it. You know what? There's no point having to want to understand that, but I will accept all well, we sh We yeah. should also uh, probably keep that pretty quiet. If they want to come and deliver We don't, we don't want them knowing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll, it'll, it'll run dry. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, also the barrels are really important because I see the barrels not as a flavor component. You know, I was in the U.S., uh, earlier this year and went to one of Peter Bukart's, um, yeah. um talks. And he's a lovely guy and really 
typically Belgian, great entertainer. And um, he um, he said, oh, you know, so to make beer, we use uh, six ingredients, right? Of course, everyone knows that. And I'm like, okay. So malt, hops, water, yeast, barrels, and fruit. Ha, ha, ha. So, and he spoke about flavor from the wood is what they're looking for. Hmm. I guess what we're looking for is not so much flavor from the wood because by the time we get them from these wineries, a lot of the flavor's been um, soaked up in the wine. Yep. What we're looking for, to be honest, is probably more a flora vessel that has its own, they'll create its own composition of flora that's unique to that barrel. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to explore more. So at some level, the barrel, at some high level for me, my head is not that important, but then it is because I'm you know, familiar yeah. with the Coopers, so I gravitate towards mm. certain Coopers. So I don't know what that means, but... Mm. I mean, well, I I've been lucky enough to go through uh, New Belgium's barrel room, and that is... That's uh, something else. Uh, in Colorado? Yeah. Oh, wow. In, I've never been there. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Out in Fort Collins. Wow. It's, it is. Or, or FOCO, as they call it. FOCO. Yeah. Well, <laughs> or Lodo, Lower Downtown. It's right. just, I, I can't deal with these acronyms. Dorsey Trupla. Oh, it is definitely, yeah. Um, there is, like, in there, they, like, there's, I've got a couple of photos in front of some fooders there. It's absolutely massive. It's amazing. Know? I went to the one in Asheville and... There's no fooders there, and it's just um, stainless everywhere. But Jesus Christ, it'll be bigger than CUB. The the best part is a craft brewery. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that is crazy. Right now, I guess that's probably what people don't necessarily understand is that barrels take up a fucking lot of space. Oh, they do. And your brewery is probably what maybe a tenth occupying a tenth of the space that we're currently sitting in. Whereas the barrels occupy the other nine tenths of the whole it's warehouse, thirty percent of the whole brewery is yeah. barrels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other like there is a lot of real estate here, to be honest. Which yeah. is, you know, like I think we touched on before the podcast was just saying how yeah, you know it's not just lucky, but you know, like it takes it takes a lot of effort to actually go through and find the right place for your cells before yeah. you actually start. So yeah, spot on. You're not going to need. Oh, you're not going to have that need to, you know want to have to go look we're getting too big we may have to do something elsewhere mm. you're like we're comfortable here we're happy here we have the room to grow yeah we do and yep. this is us yeah, yeah. That, that's actually a really interesting point that you raised there was you know like we were saying off air unfortunately how yeah. important was this location for you yeah super important and it's proximity to the parkland and the creek was everything because we wanted to harness local indigenous yeast that that lived here to, to make beer with a sense of place. So choosing the site for us was imperative. But having said that, we've now caught all the yeast. We know what yeast are here. We haven't banked at a lab. So if tomorrow we had to move for some silly reason and knock on wood, um, well, we could still use the same yeast that we caught originally. Whether we would, I don't know. Um, so, I think knowing you, you'd definitely start exploring yeah, all over right. again. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> for you're better right, or worse. Right, for better right. or worse. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take the safe option. No way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no way. But speaking of safe options, I guess beer in cans and, and our, our can beers. Um, you know, people go, oh, wow, you've done a couple of beers in can. Um, and it's like, yeah, because we really wanted to try and expose the category of farmhouse sales to a, a wider audience. And we thought, well, how do we do that? And we thought, first of all, let's look at our formats because a half champagne bottle isn't conducive to people <laughs> drinking volumes of it. Yeah, it no. looks exotic. It looks expensive. Yeah. But you're not getting a and six pack of... And the bottles are expensive of, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, the bottles, yeah. So we we actually get them made in uh, in uh, Fekia, which is not a rude word. It's a place in France. Pardon me? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and Fekia supplies the 
um, uh, the champagne industry with all their champagne bottles. So yeah, right. we get our allocation. Um, you well, they, actually get an allocation. Oh, yeah, because if we don't, champagne will take the lot. Yeah. So wow. we, have to, we have to fight for it. Well, I know the home brewers are very grateful that you use those bottles because they, yeah, yeah, uh, they get reused a lot. And no. that's, something, that's something I feel strongly about. I wish in this country we were allowed to recycle bottles. Um, like they can in Europe because yep. we yeah, would. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the cost of bringing these in, the weight of them, it's such it's, a waste of yeah. single use. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy a lot of money. So it's great to see that home brewers are getting them and using them. Oh, they, yeah. yeah. They oh, we're we're taking all your bottles and yeah. reculturing <laughs> all your fucking yeast. Great, though. Yeah. That is fine. <laughs> That's great. Uh, look, we, I think we do have to wrap it up there. Um, I, 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 I could just sit here all day, mate. Yeah, like, no shit. You... It's it's yeah, an it's absolute it's an absolute treat to to be sitting not just with yourself, but also yeah. you know here with Eva with Eva Hi, Eva in yeah, yeah in Thanks. the brewery and the massive cheese. shout out it's an absolute treat thank the, you the cheese was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous yeah there was yeah. some brain brain cheese I'm eyeing it off I'm I going no back there as soon as I hit stop brain yep. cheese yep it was like. A brain cheese. That's all I got. I, yeah, I can't yeah. do anything more um, than that. Can somebody that's, call that's an ambulance? Because I think Tim is having a stroke. Well, after the amount of booze we've drunk in the last 24 hours, uh, I think that's fair, probably. Well, you got to hydrate and rest up, guys. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Nah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I haven't actually eaten all day <laughs> apart from the cheese, so yep. we should probably go and get some food. Yeah. All right. Well, so, thank you. Look, it's been great. And uh, uh, as per normal, we love WA. Um, oh. WA always strikes a, a warm chord with us. We, I think we have a long history there, and uh, we tend to be really understood there. I don't know what it is. Um, we, but we, you guys really get I think us, it's so. just that craft culture that so many yeah. of us have, have flocked to. Yep. And I think like Tim was saying, um, kind of off air, that we, that we see you as this upper echelon of just being so committed to the craft. And as somebody who, you know, used to work, do a bit of sales work for you back in the past, I, um, I remember having to delay orders because you're like, oh, this Urban Pale isn't 100%. Yeah, man. I'm you like, told me I was getting Costa, out of the start of December. I'm like, I bet that would have been ninety-nine percent of the way there. It was probably uh perfect. That was, like, that was not, the second batch. It's not the beer it should be, so we're not releasing it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, I us in think, WA we flock to that I don't kind think of thing. There's a lot of people, you know, cool. outside of being, you know, like cool. quite in a circle that actually understand how people do that. Do you know? Like yeah. you know, yeah. going through QC, uh Marzen from Hawkers touched on it and was yep. like he's like QC is the, the primary, the yep. primary, yep. right? Yep. If we're not happy, you're not even going to see it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And same, and same thing here. Like you know, we don't talk about the things that didn't work. Absolutely. Which is uh, a lot. Yeah. No, but they're and the ones. They're the ones. Be. They're the ones that will also keep you up at night, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for sure. I mean, we're looking at a barrel right there. God, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. It's the barrel. Yeah, and you guys yeah. have also labelled that dump. You know? Yeah, and I'm just lazy. I haven't pulled it out because it's right at the bottom. Yeah, That's so. the bottom. <laughs> I'm just. You don't want to get a jack in there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not a criticism. I yeah, no, no, no. That's cool. That's cool. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, but sometimes you know, I think uh, someone wise in this industry told me, expect if you're doing a power program, if, expect half of it to not be great. Yep. And half to be okay, and they need to find something that sparkles in and amongst that to bring it together. Yeah. Wow. So. 
if it's I follow that, you should, you know, we should be dumping almost half of our barrels. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we don't dump half, but if I find something that's not right, it straight away gets dumped and we start again. And, and I think that's no something trying to resurrect it. Yeah. And that's something I think a lot of uh, people who aren't in the industry or have the luxury of knowing, um, you know, when they try to calculate prices and stuff, they don't factor that in. They're like, this is what your hops yeah, and no malt cost you. Yeah. I paid excise on this. Three and years I ago. Figure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had to tip out five barrels. Uh, so it's, I mean, it is a labor of love. And I, yes, I think you've sacrificed a lot to have the the produce that you have. Uh, and, it, and it is world class. So um, I thank you for that and for indulging us. No, guys, thank you. And I hope you enjoy the wild trapeo. It's uh, oh, creamy, buttery, lactic. My, it's so my glass good. is sucked dry. Yeah, man, um, finish it off. I is, will. Is yeah. there, <laughs> before, we, before we finish off, is there... <laughs> Yeah. So stop, stop the cheese fight, guys. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, I unless you just put a I, whole bunch of cheese and crackers in my cup. I, it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. tried to be a very nice person, and it you didn't work out. For um, me. It didn't work out. Is there is there a beer that you guys will be releasing in the next six to twelve months that you are particularly frothing over? Oh yeah. Um, Ooh. No, we can't no talk about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll can, have to get so you back on so, just, so you can tell yeah. us then. Any sort of time frame potential for... Shit, I think in the next um, probably three months. Next awesome. three months. Yeah. yeah, it's been a couple of years. We're going to hit you up. We are... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's... champing at the bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, the last, it's, the last it's, couple of releases that we had, we were lucky enough to get, you know, yep. Peter Cerise. Um, yeah. And Cuvée um, de Bois, Cuvée which de is Bois. fucking epic. Yeah, or as we call it, the brew Cuvée de Bois. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so oh, do yeah. we. So yeah. that's right. good. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, cool. I am from Carlisle, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's no other way. Yeah, like, you know, we've, yeah, we've been really happy with those. So. I think the name has just gotten its own following now because of that. Absolutely, it's like yeah. saying it. Yeah, so. it's fun. Yeah. It's yeah, it's Instagram culture, mate. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then the Forest Savage was another one. I think that was um, oh. mm. that was yeah. amazing. So I mean. In the next three months, you you say we're going to see something pretty, something new, fucking mental. Um, that's it. We've heard it. You, yeah, you, you're saying it. it's mental. Oh, mate, well, easy like it's, on it's, the old soundbite. It's um, it's it's mental in a stripped back sort of puristic sense. So yeah. Well, if that's the case, I'm even more excited. Another another yeah, version of provision. The cool ship right now. <laughs> yeah, pr- like out of our guard range. I I hate to be the guy, but I. Absolutely froth on beer to provision. Yeah, me too. It's my favourite beer. Incredible. That's actually my favourite beer yeah. in the brewery. We actually only brew it for us to drink, to be honest. Yeah. We only really... But that's... Like but I, that's... I won't ever stop making it because whether it sells or not, I couldn't care. We we do it for us. Yeah. yeah that's so awesome. That, that's cool. Yeah. You should have some more. Take a bottle before you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, we no. definitely won't say no to that. Cool. <laughs> uh, so thank you again for coming on. Our first guest we've ever had on twice. Uh, and Thanks, guys. Ho- hopefully again. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Ordering a pepperoni pizza, you don't order that and go, "Well, it tastes like chicken." Yeah, it's exactly what you look at. And you're yeah, like, that's going to taste exactly like this. You look at him, you're like, "That's a sex pest," and then he opens his mouth, and you're like, "I was correct."